0: Good morning. So, unfortunately, Jake is going to have to listen to probably probably what's going to get both of us fired because it's just just the way it works some days. Uh, If there would be a title for today, it would be What Completes Us. Um, I'm just a dumb farmer, so I guess we're just going to have to talk in dumb farmer terms. And so I like to use things that I can visualize so I can see so it kind of makes things a little easier. Um, So I'm gonna ask everybody, has anybody in here ever had a flat tire? What happens to a flat tire to make it flat? This is where you all have to participate. I promise you talk fast, I talk fast, we get out early. uh, It works great. What happens to a tire to make it flat? It loses its air, It's exactly right. If you wouldn't care to pull up on the screen, I've got a couple pictures of a couple tires. That clearly is not what you want to take off and drive to Chicago with, right? What's it missing? Air, and part of the sidewall. But you know, ultimately what caused the malfunction there was a lack of air. Now go to the another picture there. That's just some really nice pretty tires, but is that complete? What's it missing? But it's got air in it, just like the other one. It's got air in it. Oh, it's missing a rim, so you got to have something to fill the hole first. Then what do you have to do? Put the air in it, right? Okay. I promise this will make more sense later on, but I just want you to start thinking. You've seen two tires. They're both tires. They were both missing a little something to being ready to take off to Chicago for. Okay. So, like I said, I promise all this, Now, well, as much as I can make sense, all this will probably make sense a little bit more at the end of this than at the beginning. So, if you wouldn't care to go ahead and turn uh, in your books into the Bible there, in the book of Philemon, we're going to start off Philemon 1 and 8. I don't know if anybody else, I've, I've made the 44 change this year. And I have decided my eyes are not as good as they used to be. <laughs> so I can either squint, I can make it like on a billboard size, or I can just give myself a little bit of light and I can read a whole lot better. It says, therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is, it is none other than Paul, an old man, now also uh, a prisoner of Christ Jesus that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus who became my son while I was in chains formerly he was useless to you but now he has become useful to both you and me i'm sending him who is my very heart back to you i would like i would have liked to keep him with me <clears throat> so that you could so that he could take your place in helping me while i'm in chains for the gospel but I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do would not, be, would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason was, for the reason that he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dear to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord." So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me very, your very self. I do wish, brother, that I, have, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ, confident in your obedience I write you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. What this is talking about? I'm sorry for having to use the flashlight, but it's just they're just not working the way that they used to, and I haven't swallowed my pride to have to go get cheaters yet. So, uh, what this is talking about is Philemon had a slave, Anesthus, and and he fled. Now we don't know why he fled. We don't know what the what the situation was. Why he decided that he couldn't take it anymore. Um, but I find a lot of irony in this, because Philemon, Philemon to, to Paul, were they were good buddies, they were good friends, they had worked together. And so it's ironic to me a lot of times, a lot of times when we try to flee something, when we try to take off and run, we run right back into it. Is everybody aware of that? Most of the time, whatever you're trying to escape so hard, you run right into uh, in our house, we have a, a kitchen and a dining room, and then we have a living room, and we've got two door openings where you can just kind of go round and round and round. I see every once in a while, Grace is grinning right now, because I think the last person that was chasing in there was her and Grace, and I don't know which one was chasing which. But long story short, that just makes a really good place for a lap. No matter where you are in that little circle, about 10 steps later, and you're right back to where you were again. I feel like we do that a lot in life. Whatever we're trying to escape, whatever we're trying to run from, we just come right back to it. And so as Onesimus was trying to escape, and we don't know, like I said, we don't know why he was trying to escape this uh, this situation, but he runs into Paul. And as he runs into Paul, Paul takes a lot of time and spends a lot of time with him, uh, ministering to him, and, and changes his life. Now where I think this is, I guess, very appropriate for us is because no matter where we are in life, whether we're a slave today or we're a slave six months ago or six years ago, we all have a tendency to be a slave to sin. And when when this young man was trying to escape the very thing that he thought that he he could run away from, he ran right into somebody uh, that would take take care of him, take him under his wing. And so so many times in our life what we're missing, is somebody that would just take the time to spend with us to help us get through life. So on on verse number nine there, the way that Paul starts, he kind of sets the stage whenever he's writing this letter back to his friend of saying, hey, this is who I am. I'm an old man. I'm locked up in prison, but you know who I am. You've known who I was for a long time. And so remember this as I tell you what I'm asking you to do. So many times whenever I talk to somebody, I might not even recognize their phone number if it's not programmed or whatever, but if I recognize their voice or they'll say something, uh, that just kind of triggers me. We were at Kentucky uh, at the farm show last week, about a week and a half ago, I guess now, and I was talking to somebody at one of the booths and I recognized his voice as somebody that I'd talked to, but I didn't even know we hadn't ever seen each other. So I recognized his voice just because I had talked to him enough that the tone of his voice, his mannerisms, everything, he's like, oh, I know who you are. He's like, how do you know who you are? Because I said, this is who I am. He said, oh. And it, it just automatically makes sense if you talk to somebody on a regular basis. And this is kind of what Paul's doing in am saying, hey, I know that this guy ran away from you. But hear me out. This is who I am. I'm Paul. I'm, I'm the same guy that you've talked to several different times, and I've gotten you through to this far. So just hear me out as I give you my request then. So then in 10, it says, it, it refers to Omnimus as his son. It said, he became my son uh, while I was prison. And you know, it's kind of random to think that we would be a a slave that would be adopted, but that's really kind of what the whole gospel pertains to. We're a slave until the day that we're adopted into Christ's family. And what Paul is saying is the the very same thing of what the gospel looks like for us for this individual. And so as he's pleading for him, he's pretty much telling his his brother in Christ, Philemon, Hey, you need to hear me out. This is this is something something different. I know you probably have a beef because this guy took off and, and ran from you but he's become not only just a dear friend of mine, but I consider him my son. And so so many times in our life, if we will look back at times in our lives, people have taken us under our wing and they've either taught us how to do something or showed us the way of something. And and really what the picture of discipleship looks like in the church today is this very same thing. A slave that is adopted by somebody that knows the ropes and he shows them exactly what to do and how to do it. And so this individual that's in prison, Paul, why do you think he had to be in prison that day? Do you think it was just so that they could possibly cross paths? Who knows? I have no idea. I don't know why Paul had to have such a hard road, why he had to get stoned so many times, and I'm not talking to the 2024 version of stoned. I'm talking about throwing rocks at a guy trying to kill him. Why did he have to be in prison so many times? I don't know, but it makes me wonder so many times that whenever we're set back, when we have the, the flat tires of life, if it's because we're supposed to be sitting there for a certain moment just for this to happen. And so whenever our paths cross, cross paths with, with other people, I don't think that there's always uh, just a coincidence that that happens. I think a lot of the times it's divine intervention. And so it might be that you're the one that's in prison today, or it might be that you're the one that is the slave today. But more, most generally, at some point in time, that's going to be an option. Now, what we do with it is on us. If the slave would have decided, if Amemus would have decided to, to not go into to the prison and, and talk to Paul that day, which we still don't know why he did, or if Paul would have said, hey, you know, you're an escaped slave, you're not really worth my time to talk to, we wouldn't have this story. So let's continue going on here. I promise I'm going to talk quick and you guys are going to get out of here really, really quick. And then you're going to have time to go like hit McDonald's or something like that before breakfast or before Sunday school, even. So in 12, it says, I'm sending him who is my heart. For the parents in this room, who is your heart? Thank you. Somebody in the balcony. Thank you, Lucas. Would anybody else like to? Maybe maybe they aren't your heart. I'm, I'm thinking that mine are. But for the parents in the room, who is your heart? They're not catching on very well, Luke. We'll try this the third time. Who is your heart? They're waking up. Okay, good, good, good job. That's the way Paul viewed this young man. It's not because it's blood and flesh that he, he called him his son, it's because he loved him that much. Uh, there's a lot of people in this room that are educators. I personally have been somebody that's worked with kids really since I was a kid. And so a lot of the kids that goes through our youth ministry, and I'm sure that a lot of the teachers in this room feel like you have a lot of kids. You have a lot of children that you would advocate for. And that's what Paul's doing. He's putting his name on the line for this individual, saying that, I don't even know what the beef is between you two, but I'm telling you, I'm going to call him my son, and I want you, if you respect him. So whatever it is, let's just let's just cut to the chase and let's let's go on with this. And so, why I find that so amazing is because once again in the gospel, who does that for us? Where y'all have to participate again? He hung on one of those things over there. Thank you. I'm telling you guys, the quicker you answer, the quicker we get out of here. Let's go ahead and roll on down to um, uh, in 15. It says, uh, whenever he said that, I'm going to send him back. He said, "For perhaps he departed for a while for the purpose that you might receive him for forever. So when Paul's telling him this is that there's a good chance that he just had to come and hang out with me so that we could get things kind of set straight. But whenever I send him back, I need him in my life, but whenever I send him back, I want you to know that he's going to be there for forever. Essentially what has just happened uh, is, is kind of similar to what's happened with uh, with our boys whenever we've had people that come into our life. We view our boys as absolutely our into our life now are our sons and our daughters. And so they don't they don't necessarily just gain a friend. They gain a brother or a sister uh, whenever that happens. And this is what, what Philemon's being told is that you, you used to have a slave. Whenever he comes back, just know that I've discipled him, and he is worthy to be called your brother because I told you he's worthy to be called your brother. Um, let's go ahead and go on down to 17. It says, if then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would receive me. So it's kind of like dad calling home and saying, hey, son, I'm coming home. Um, if you, if you consider me to, to be your dad, just remember that as, as Omnimus comes home, uh, receive him the exact same manner. Uh, so whenever you look at, uh, at how the gospel treats us whenever we, when we leave this earth, once again, picture perfect, the exact same scenario. Um, I think it's also kind of cool when you do a little bit of research um, on who the slave was um, the Bible doesn't tell you this. The Bible tells us a few things, and I'll I'll read this here in Colossians four seven. It says, "He is coming with Onimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here." This is Paul once again writing, uh, writing to his church to say, "Hey, we're we're kind of in trouble." But the person that was traveling with him, he is considering Onimus a a brother. He is he's traveling with him. And so it's kind of even thought that he ended up being, uh, Philemon ended up being a, a, a pastor of one church and Onimus became a pastor of another church. And so it's kind of random how God completes circles like that. But why I wanted to focus on this story and who this is is because it kind of goes back to the tire situation. If you don't care to pick that, pull that picture back up up the stairs there. The new tire so that tire is missing a rim in order for it to be useful, right? Otherwise, it's a brand new, perfectly good-looking tire. Now, that tire in its life might experience a nail, a piece of steel, a little bit of gravel. Does anybody drive gravel much? Gravel's good on tires, right? It might be that it's not necessarily taken the best care of. But if you maintain it, And if you keep the air pressure right, and you keep the alignment good on your vehicle, a tire can last you a really, really long time. And I view like our life very similar to that. Now, church, I would consider to be a little bit more of a repair shop. It's where we come and get a little closer to God. And if we need our air pressure checked, if we need maybe a balance or a rotate job or whatever that is, that's kind of what happened to this young man whenever he was hanging out with Paul. He was trying to flee the very thing that he hated, that he wanted to escape, and he ran right into it. And Paul said, hold on, let's just, let's just talk for a little bit. What actually needs to be done to fix you? What are you missing in your life? And so just like that tire right there, we have a, a hole in our heart that God and only God can feel. So you can put that tire right there on a tractor, but it's probably not going to work very good and it has to have the exact same rim that it's designed to do. Just like all of us, we have different pieces of our life that we need to fill that, which is God. We have different purposes in our life, which he will use. However, before we can ever be useful, what are we missing? We said it already. What's the other tire missing that had the sidewall blown out of it? It was missing air. I feel like whenever we get... In God's word, whenever we come to church, when we use this altar, whenever we ask for him uh, to fill us with what we need, that's whenever we, we become usable. And Adamus, pretty much whenever he met Paul, he would have accepted Christ fairly early on, or otherwise Paul wouldn't have wouldn't have worked on him uh, the way that he did. But whenever he accepted Christ, he didn't stop there. He didn't just say, okay, you're you're going to heaven. He said, I want to train you. I want to make you into something that's usable. I don't want to just make a tire and put it on a shelf and say, hey, there it is. It's going to serve no purpose. You were designed for a purpose. Now, depending on how much you read a Bible, depends on how much you use an altar, depends on how much you're sitting here and how much you're either being discipled or discipling somebody. That's really the way life works. We're either being discipled or we're discipling somebody if you're a child of God. It doesn't mean that you aren't going to have a few nails. Every once in a while doesn't mean that you aren't going to have some hard roads once in a while. I think part of the reason that Paul had the hard road that he had was because he had to cross paths with somebody that was having a harder road on a real regular basis. So today, like I said, I'm promising you guys, this is this maybe going to be the earliest early service that's ever gotten out. It's 836. Today, depending on what you like look like as far as this as this tire looks like, you're probably one of two or one of three places. Either you've never had the rim put in the tire, so your God's never never filled that god sized hole in your heart, and He needs to do that, and that's where you can come up to an altar, and we will take care of this. Jamie, if you don't care to go ahead and come on up and be ready, um, or maybe you're maybe you've got the the rim put in. But she's never never received enough air to actually be useful. You're literally just kind of sitting there. A uh, famous word of, of somebody that, that hung out on the farm there for a pretty good while. Anytime we would have a flat tie on the farm, he would say, Hey, it's only flat on the bottom side. Just roll it around. Wow. <laughs> the thing that's missing is that we just have to accept where we are. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter that... Ans uh, was an escaped slave. It doesn't matter who he was last year, yesterday or 20 years ago. What matters is what are you willing to do about it today? Are you willing to let God take care of uh, of whatever shortcomings you have to, to adopt you a slave that's been adopted into a family or are you going to keep trying to go? Because what happens if you keep trying to go on your own even if you have the rim inside the tire and you don't have air, what happens to the tire when you keep going? It looks just like that first tire we pulled up. Has anybody ever tried to push a vehicle with a flat tire on it? Push by hand. It ain't that great. You can strain off awful hard and you don't really get anywhere. That's the way life works when you, when you try to do it without God. So as Jamie begins to play, we're just we're going to do the short and sweet. Like I said, this is going to be the earliest. I don't know what you guys, maybe you'll go hit Ferris's for breakfast. I don't know what, what you've got for Uh, for the next 30, 40 minutes to entertain yourself. But the altar's open and I would just encourage you if you wouldn't care to take this serious. Evaluate your life. See where you are and let God lead you.